You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross Vogel, your host, and this is episode 293. I have a really fun guest today that I think you're really going to enjoy. His name is Rocky Buckley. Rocky has been working with authors, experts, thought leaders, and influencers for 23 years, helping clients bring over $100 million in information products and training programs to market. Rocky is the creator of the Power Persona Project community and the Platinum Path coaching slash consulting program, helping experts reinvent their business models to unleash their highest potential. Welcome, Rocky. Great to be here, Kirsten. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing about your work and about the passion that drew you to it. You know, let's dive in and tell me a little bit more about what your work looks like and how you're working to make that impact in the world. Sure. Well, you know, I went through a process of kind of soul searching and rediscovery a, a couple of years ago. I had been in business for, you know, over 20 years, as you mentioned, working with a lot of authors and experts and people like that. But I was primarily working for corporate, large corporate clients who were producing products and so on. And I was kind of a behind the scenes guy. And, you know, I had, had built a pretty successful business over 20 years, but I found that I was unfulfilled in terms of even really what your show is about is making an impact. And impact had been a passion for me from the time I was a little kid. I had always had this sense of really wanting to, to make a difference in people's lives, be a role model. And that was something all the way I had wanted to be a baseball player. And then I wanted to make movies. And, and I was in ministry leadership for a really long time before I went into business. So, you know, my whole course of my life, really from the time I was little, was really about kind of helping people and helping people to really, I guess, live a great life in whatever way, you know, that 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 looked at the time. So 20 years into my business, I really kind of hit a crisis where a business wise, I was sort of capped, I was making essentially what I could make because I was I had built my business in a way where I was the business. So like, I, my schedule was capped out. I really couldn't make much more and so on. And I was doing well, but I was exhausted all the time. And I was also internally, you know, I was starting to reach an age where it was like, I always suspected I was capable of doing a lot more and making a bigger impact. And I wasn't doing that in my business because again, I was a behind the scenes guy and I was helping to produce a lot of stuff, but the stuff I was producing wasn't necessarily uh, the kind of material that would change people's lives and, and make a big impact in that way. And so I kind of started to look internally and say, you know, I really got to shift what I'm doing here. I got to reinvent myself. If I'm ever going to make a big change in my business, I need to do it now. And so that process of discovery really led me to unlocking this sort of secret passion that I had always had that I never could quite articulate it. Like it was always there, but I never could really articulate it. And I discovered that the thing that like makes me feel so passionate, you can call it angry at times or whatever. But when I see wasted potential and I see wasted potential in myself, but also in other people. So when I see like a, a person who's really gifted and talented, high potential, and they they find themselves at a place in life where like they're stuck and they're maybe at a dead end career or, you know, they like they're in a business like mine where they're not really they're doing okay, but they're not really leveraging everything that they've got inside of them. They're not living from a passionate place and all that kind of stuff. 
They're not really using their talents and gifts. And I kind of found myself like I've got a, such a heart for people who have all this potential that's locked inside of them to release that potential and really become the best version of themselves. And, you know, it really started with me primarily looking inward at myself, but it was also, you know, that was the thing all throughout. It was like that thread that continued all the way throughout my, the different pursuits I had, the different careers and even in ministry and so on. It was all about unlocking potential. So that ended up leading me to change my business model. So all the stuff I had done over the years, working with these clients and bringing curriculum and training programs and information products to the market. It was like, how can I triangulate that skill set and put me in a position where I was helping those people who could use it the most, right? So I basically refocused what I was doing to work with people who were you know, trying to become a public figure, build a personal brand, build a business around their expertise, their passions, and so on, and really be able to productize it and programize it and build it out into a great business and a great life. So that's kind of that. And I know I've given you a pretty full spectrum there, but that's kind of how I kind of ended up, you know, where I am right now and working with the kind of people that I do now. Well, so what I like about that uh, story is you already had that sense as a young boy, it sounds like. Uh, and I'm sure you've kind of run across this just like I have with my clients. I mean, they can are sometimes in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they haven't allowed, because I believe all of us have the rising, that call to action feeling, but we get we can get really good at squelching it down because life. Um, and we're, and you know, we're just doing the lazy river way of doing life. And so I don't want to be bothered with any of that, but you, uh, were already feeling the nudging all the way back then. So I love that. I love that that took you on the path. And I think so often people who are making an impact in the world, it might be a long time or maybe ever before they really see the ripple effect, but because the work you're doing is helping others really make their bigger, bolder impact. I bet you get to see it often. And so cool kudos to you. You're lucky. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's, you know, it came from a, a mixed place. I mean, I grew up when I was little, I was kind of a high potential kid. I was a high IQ kid. I had a lot of different talents and things like that that showed I could draw really well. I read very early. I was one of those kind of kids. But as a result, that comes with a burden. Like it's, it seems like a gift, but it comes with a burden because people put a lot of that sense of potential on you. you you're capable of doing anything you want. You could become president of the United States if you just applied yourself. You know, like you hear that stuff from the time you're five and it starts to kind of later in life creep up on you. And it's like, wait a minute, I, I'm not living up to my potential. I, I'm doing well, but I could be doing so much more. And so, you know, other people feel that too. Too. You know, your grown up told all of this stuff and you have that inside of you. And so you're driven by pain and pleasure. You know, it's like the pleasure of becoming that great person, but also um, the pain of if I don't make it, um, have I wasted my life? You know, so it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. And I kind of feel what people feel, you know, because I, I had it myself. Yes. Well, I think I've definitely felt that as well. I know years ago, someone asked me what was my definition of success was. And I think it was that yin and yang kind of a thing, because, you know, and at first glance, I thought, well, this is a really easy question to answer. But then I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, you could talk success over a lifetime, you could talk success in a moment. And really, I decided it was the blend between celebration for what I had achieved, but a bit of discontent to keep moving. Because if you only have the celebration for the past, you're living in the past. And it's like, eh, now what? Like now what's fueling my passion? But if you only have the discontent piece, that's not good either. So you better be doing at least a little bit of celebrating. Yeah. Uh, about what you've achieved. Yep. So that's great. So what experiences 
motivated you or helped you identify that this was your, you know, your passion, your purpose? Yeah, I think it was all of those things cumulatively over the years that, you know, I always had this great heart for people. I mean, even when I when I went to film school, I, I went to New York University Film School, wanted to make movies. The movies I wanted to make were always about impacting lives. My life pivoted in my 20s and I got very heavily involved in ministry and ministry leadership. And I think that's where really I developed a lot of my chops, my skill sets with people speaking in front of people, being able to kind of influence and work one-on-one and and listen and empathize and all of those kind of things, give advice and steer and monitor and give feedback, right? So that was kind of all there. And then when I started, you know, my business and so so on, you know, several years later, you know, I found myself really moving away from that. All the stuff I had really done for over a decade, because I was very deeply involved in in leadership and ministry for, for over a decade, I found myself increasingly just getting away from that sense of, of really impacting lives. It was mostly focused on being a dad. You know, we've got three kids, we homeschool them. So like homeschooling is a big deal. And, you know, the focus goes there a lot. So I was working with my kids mostly, but you know, my wife primarily, I have to give her all the credit really, but I, you know, I was involved in it, of course, but you know, 20 years in business and the, the grind of that and, and just finding myself increasingly going further and further away from what I loved, you know, in my twenties and thirties, you know, I just kind of hit a point where it was just like, you know, I could feel it internally, intuitively, something wasn't right with my life. I wasn't happy when I got up in the morning every day, right? So everything looked good from the outside. If you were to look at my life from the outside, the money you're making, the lifestyle, the family, you got a beautiful family, and it would have looked really good. But inside, I felt increasingly like a fish out of water, like I'm not doing what I should be doing. And I'm not, again, realizing my own potential of who I could be. And um, it was really those soul searching like retreats that I went on, because I I kind of pursued this over a, a fairly long stretch of time doing these deep dives. What is it? Can I articulate what it is that I'm really passionate about? Like, from this point forward, I don't want to start a business again that I don't like. <laughs> and I'm going to five years down the road, I'm going to find that I hate. What is that one thing? Actually, it's the business coach, Dan Sullivan, that I credit for this. The question is, you know, what is that one thing that will endlessly fascinate me right, for the rest of my life that I could stay in that space and it's going to just keep me going all the time? And I really did find that it was in this kind of, I guess, quote unquote, star making area. Or it was like, could I take a person who was trapped, who was really talented, high potential, high IQ, and they're locked in where they're at? Can I take a person like that and extract that good stuff? Can I take the best parts of them and help to shape that, bring it out and help them come up with a strategy and really be able to succeed in business? but also do it in a way that gave them a great life as well. So like, I'm very mindful. My definition of success is probably similar to yours. It's not just financial success. It's success in all quadrants. That's to me, the essence of really achieving success. So that's what kind of took me (laughs) in this direction. Well, and I love again, that that was that niggling feeling that got you moving. And I remember when I was in that space too, uh, about 20 years ago, where it was like, I talk about the feeling of, um, I had little, I had little kids, babies, I was nursing, sitting there, nothing else to do, because I'm nursing and I'm watching Oprah. And she's talking about using your life. And she would have these stories of people who, you know, did a thing and it started out small and then it ballooned up and I would start crying and I'm not talking like little tears. I'm talking the ugly cry, holding your breath, hoping no one outside of the house 
plus yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it does take a while to still kind of get at your target zone. But I say all that to say, and I think you would agree when you start feeling that do the work of figuring it out, because it is so worth it. Um, because that discomfort, that discontent uh, is pushing you in a direction. And it is so awesome when you could be doing what you love. When you think about all the different people that you've helped, uh, share one specific story that comes top of mind that really fuels your passion. Wow. I would say the one that comes to mind immediately because he's a dear friend and actually we live close together as well. But my good friend, Jim Harshaw, and Jim was an All-American wrestler. And then he became the youngest Division I wrestling head coach in the United States. And, you know, he was trapped in a business, very bright guy, you know, multiple degrees from the University of Virginia, which is not easy. It's one of the best universities in the country, you know, and had tried a few times to build businesses and was really kind of stuck in a job that he didn't like and all of this and was coming off of a failed business. And he was kind of trying to develop himself um, you know, as a, as a coach and kind of as more of a, a success or life coach kind of a thing, not in wrestling specifically, but he was kind of just starting out in this area and was developing a framework that could help people who were like himself, primarily wrestlers or people in kind of combat sports, you know, uh, who were kind of like him. And we went through this process over a period of time where, you know, to try to figure out who he was targeting and his market and so on. And he came up with kind of a course that he was going to sell that was selling for $150. And that was kind of what he was doing. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, if we just basically took what you were doing and re-strategized it and positioned you differently and all of that kind of stuff, you could be charging a lot more and et cetera. So over a period of time, you know, we worked on his positioning and his strategy and his the system he developed and, and added some more robust features to it and so on. We basically long and short of it turned a $150 course into a $5,000 package that he could deliver in one day. <laughs> right. So basically that, you know, that re-strategizing and repositioning compounded by some sales techniques and closing techniques and so on that, you know, I had shared with him, um, basically allowed him to eventually leave his job and create this really nice coaching business, got a great life, four kids, got the whole four quadrants together, and now is impacting other people's lives as well. So I would say Jim's story is something that always really, because to go from a $150 course to a $5,000 package that you can deliver in a day, that's a really big change. And it really altered the trajectory, not only of his life, life, but his kids' lives and so on, and his family's life and many, many other people beyond that. So that's the thing that drives me. It was generative impact. It was like, can I help leaders who then also help other leaders? Because that to me from an impact standpoint is the strategy part of it. I don't want to just impact that one life immediately. I'd like that life to then go on and impact others. So kind of being a leader who impacts leaders to me, that, that was how I kind of saw my biggest impact. And I love the story of Jim Harshaw. He did all the work. But I, I kind of helped him along the way. So you, you steered that. and guided. Yeah, Absolutely. no, I love that story. And I can see why you would want to keep that one top of mind. So tell me if uh, if people are wanting to connect with you, what kinds of services, what, how, what would it look like? Yeah, there are really three windows. Um, and that, this is something that probably by the time this interview airs, all of this stuff will actually be out. But the first place is the, the Power Persona Project, the free Facebook community. So that's usually the point of entry for people. They can jump in there. 
It's highly interactive, highly engaged. I've done a lot of interviews with people like Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, Bob Berg, Pedro Adeo, Stu McLaren, people like that. So there's a lot of engagement activity in the free group. There's also a paid membership community called Power Persona University. There are also mastermind groups as well as working with me one-on-one. So all of that can be accessed. Just go to rockybuckley.com and that's the place where that's the hub where you can get links to all of that stuff. Great. So start getting plugged in. So for you personally, beyond the story you've already told, uh, what has been the biggest internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome and what strategies did you use to overcome? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me has always been uh, focus. I've been a person who takes on a lot of stuff. I've learned over the years that I'm a terrible multitasker, even though I did a lot of work with clients for years that I was juggling 40 to 60 projects at a time. And I was able to do it, but that's probably partly why I hated my business so much at a certain point. But yeah, focus was a, was a really big uh, problem for me um, in terms of focusing on the priorities. I can be very busy, very productive, getting stuff done, but not laser focused. So uh, rehabituating my life has been a real pursuit of mine. I've become very, very big on habits. James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, is something that was a huge help for me. I always recommend it to everybody. But making sure that my life is in order, my calendar and my schedule have a level of focus to it to me, that's an area that I've always struggled with and I continue to have to stay on track with that. So building in daily rituals, daily habits for me has been a game changer. Um, and it's something, but I, but I still, my natural inclination is not to, <laughs> it's to drift away from that. So I'm always having to focus on habits. So. so I have to ask when you talked about focus, oh, so sometimes we're not good at focusing because our own minds and creativity and all of that and uh, pursuits are creating so many different paths that we could focus on. Other times it's other people. Um, and so which for you was, is the main struggle? Was it saying no to yourself or saying no appropriately to other people, would you say? Wow, that's, that's a great question. Um, well, you know, one of the things when you when you have a family and you're homeschooling your kids and your kids are in the house all the time, and there's all this stuff going on, and you certainly want to put their needs first, you know, like you really want, I mean, at least for me, the way that I see parenting, and my wife and I see it, you know, our kids always come first. So, and we always try to pour into their passions. My kids, all three of them are highly gifted and talented and they have their own things that they're pursuing. And we've really tried to pour into that. So I would say, you know, family life is really the, the bugaboo for me. I've found that if I'm on my own, like I go on these retreats multiple times a year, I'll go to the beach by myself for two or three weeks at a time. And I'll focus on all of this kind of stuff and strategize. And, and I find that when I'm on my own, I have no problem being like, almost like a monk in terms of my ability to stay focused and in rituals and highly systematic. Like I don't veer, I don't have bad willpower. My willpower is really good. So like if I'm by myself left to my own devices, I'm laser focused. Once the family stuff starts to creep in, it is hard to say no to like, oh, you know, your child wants to do something. And it's like, well, it's kind of, you know, I, it's really going to be hard for me to do that today, but I will always bend. <laughs> my daughter wants to go on a date with daddy, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, so it's the family stuff outside of the family. I don't really find it hard to say no. But in the family, I do. And that's, yeah. it's hurt me in areas, let's say, like um, having a morning ritual. I've always wanted to be one of these more like a morning guy, getting up to 5 a.m. And I've never been able to pull it off because I can't control my bedtime. That's the problem. Um, it's like there's stuff happening in the family. And, oh, well, we're going to watch a show. Or we're going to play games or so, you know, 
people are going to come over and that kind of a thing. And I can't get into that systemized bedtime. So I've never been able to be a morning guy. I'm wired <laughs> naturally as a night owl, but you know, I've just, I, I know I can do it. It's just environmental factors always throw me off. Yeah. And that's, and that's okay. This Although, I mean, the way you're describing it, like if I were to coach you, which <laughs> you don't need, but I mean, truly you, you have prioritized your family. So almost that in and of itself is not, that's not the issue of like saying yes or no, you're saying it appropriately. It's just, unfortunately, that priority is getting in the way of other priorities, but right. that's how you've you're chosen to design this, your life. Yeah, so values hierarchy, right? That's it's right. Like, okay. So for at this time in my life, well, I've still got my kids here, you know, and that doesn't last forever. It's like, I'm, I'm an empty all. nester. So I will tell okay. you, uh, yeah, mm. yes. Take all the moments. Take all. I'm so grateful that I did. I mean, yeah. I think I, I'll feel the same way too. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was part of why I started my business was to have time for them. And I was a single mom. Actually, I needed to get out of an abusive marriage and be a single mom then and support us. And uh, I knew that they needed my time and I wanted to prioritize life that way. So yes, but that's a whole nother story that we're not going to get into. <laughs> right. But so I get it though about, yeah. um, but then it's about recalibrating your expectations in other areas if that's how you're going to prioritize so that you're not constantly beating yourself right. up or feeling like you're losing out on something or all of that. You have to give grace and uh, yeah, there are always going to be consequences to how we prioritize good or bad. That's right. So no yes, doubt. no doubt. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can't, as I'm talking with you and the fact that you've, you talked about Dan Sullivan, you are reminding me of Gino Wickman. And I'm wondering if you know him or if you've ever crossed paths. No, I know. I know. Okay. Gino's, I know Gino's name. And I think I've had people go, Oh, you need to connect with Gino. In fact, okay. We may actually be connected like in social in some way. Cause I definitely, okay. know, I have not. There, have it's not. funny. Cause there's a rhythm to how, so I know him. I've known okay. him for over 15 years. He actually lives near me and I've worked with a lot of his clients that are in traction, all that stuff. But anyway, just your, um, yeah, some of your mannerisms really remind <laughs> Cool. Okay. And I'm usually Good. right. So, but, but you, uh, you, you fooled me today. <laughs> so, um, so let me, um, dive back into our, our questions here. So tell me, how do you, what strategies do you use to stay motivated and moving during those tough times? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in vision and, and vision casting and working on vision uh, and getting extreme clarity that in a way that where you can see the movie in your mind. So whenever I find myself, you know, drifting, I know I, I, I it, it invariably means I've lost clarity of vision and that's how I typically recapture it. So it, it and that looks like normally getting alone, <laughs> having time alone and just kind of getting back I mean, I, I'm, I'm obsessive about capturing my thoughts and my brainstorm. So I'm a guy that has all these notebooks filled with ideas and all of this kind of stuff. But I also record a lot of stuff on video. So when I brainstorm, I invariably turn on the turn on the camera and brainstorm openly in front, by myself in front of a camera because it allows me to recapture the feeling that I had at the time. If I came up with an idea or I thought of something, it's like, it's one thing to see a scribbled note on a page. It's a whole other thing to pop a video on and actually see how animated you are and excited and your, your body language and all of that kind of stuff when you're coming up with this stuff. So I'm really, really meticulous about recording my ideas and I revisit them often. So yeah, vision is a really big deal. One of the things I've also found over the years is that my diet massively impacts how I feel. And so if invariably, 
when I go through a period of like, it's a funk of some kind, the way out, I usually try to fix the body first. So that may be, I'll notice, okay, I'm eating too much sugar. I'm drinking too much coffee, or I'm just being a little sloppy. I'm not exercising enough or so on. I find that fixing the body first ends up ordering everything else. You get your energy back and then it starts to feed into your emotions and your vision. So that's kind of what I found as like that first domino that tips a lot of other stuff is fixing the body. So if I can do that, it, it has a big ripple effect. And it took me years to kind of realize my own cycles. <laughs> you know what I would see my, cause I'm naturally kind of have a melancholy ish personality, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a creative. So like, I'm kind of wired that way. So like I find myself oscillating a lot and when there's those down cycles, typically it looks a certain way. I've allowed myself to get, you know, out of my habits, get sloppy and so on. And boom, I can find, find that if I fix that habit, it, it starts to tip everything else back in order. So funny. I've just read, I read one book yesterday and one book today on um, like hormones and that kind of thing and, and how nutrition impacts hormones and um, and energy and all of that. So I'm on yeah. a similar little uh, path at the moment and uh, yeah, just fired through, um, through two books and uh, I'm doing a lot of the right things, but I was like, Ooh, I hadn't seen these connections before. It's always uh, fun to look at that. Now this video that I wrote it down already. I had never thought, cause I'm a person with a bunch of notebooks too, and ideas and creative and have never thought about the capturing duh. Like yeah, everyone really write is. that down, the animation, the energy and your voice, all of that. Yeah. Um, let that be your fuel. And the beautiful that's thing never going to be the same as the pen on the yeah, paper. Well, here's, here's another tip that goes along with that. Now we've got, and this has just really emerged over the last couple of years where it's very affordable and so on is transcription. So you can basically take the video, extract the audio, drop it into like Otter. And, you know, for $12 a month, I think Otter is right. You can put 600 minutes or something so like a month and just transcribe it so you, you know you can find where all of your all of your ideas were without having to watch the video and go where was that I don't know. if you can just transcribe it now you've got a whole easy to find catalog of like all your ideas then you go back to the video and go okay at minute 29 i came up with this thing now I watch that. So the combination, awesome. of the combination of you can use voice memos too. Like, I mean, one of the things with the phone, voice memos was my first thing. I started recording things using my voice. And then I was like, why don't I just turn a video camera on? It sounds weird. But the dual benefit of it was it ended up not only allowing me to capture my own brainstorms and so on. It also allowed me to become a lot more comfortable on camera because I'm just I'm talking to myself. But like all of the fear of being on camera, if there ever really was any like you're so used to it now. You kind of know how you look, you know how you talk and you're, you're okay with it. Right. But so, so like, it really has a lot of benefits and nobody, nobody really does it. So I, I love to share that idea. That is a great one. And, and again, I've done voice memos, but again, never with the thought of capturing beyond like until I get out of the car. Cause I had a thought while I was driving and I just couldn't do something different to capture it. Like I've never thought beyond. Um, so I, I absolutely 100% love that idea. And yes, the more opportunities to be on video and be used to it, because that's something we all need to do anyway. So, um, Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> I like it. So, uh, one last thing to share is what words of wisdom do you have for those who are just working to, uh, begin making their own impact in the world? Yeah, I would say that the next level is that there's a process to being able to fully unlock who you are. If you are somebody that you know, wants to be a public figure, personal brand type of person, maybe you find that you're trying to do that, you're putting out content and 
it's not resonating. It's not sticking. And like, you know, you're talented, like, you know, you know, you, you know, you have all of this potential, but it's not sticking. Usually that problem can be troubleshot and it can be found in one of a number of areas. And it might just be, maybe you're not really clear on who your target audience is. So your message isn't really resonating. Right. Or it may be that, you know, you're shy on camera and you need to unlock aspects of your personality. So in order to do that, you've got to really look at your personality and craft that public version of you that brings out those maybe more animated, maybe you're more funny, maybe you're more angry, or what can bring out those emotions that really resonate with people, right? Maybe you're not telling enough stories from your own life. So you've got to go back and learn how to extract those lessons that you learned at those like poignant crossroads moments in your lives. You got to find those, document those, and then be able to use them in your material, right? So there's a number of different areas that you can troubleshoot, and it can be something very simple that can all of a sudden unlock your ability to be charismatic, magnetic, and resonate with other people, right? So I just want to give people the encouragement that there is a process that you can go through to really learn that, unlock that, be strategic about yourself, and build that best version of yourself for public consumption. What I call, it's really the power persona you know, principle. Um, that I that I've developed and I think it really works well for people. Well, thank you for that, Rocky. That is uh, such good information. Now, uh, tell people again. And uh, by the way, uh, if you're listening and you're not able to write it down, no worries. All of this will be in today's show notes. But uh, Rocky, uh, tell them again how they can um, join your Facebook group, etc., and get uh, get attached to you. Yeah, sure. The easiest way they can get in touch with me is just go to RockyBuckley.com, and the, the link to the Facebook group is right on there, as well as again the, the three other offers that I had mentioned earlier in. Interview. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and all the great stories and inspiration um, and for the important work that you're doing in helping others make their bigger, bolder impact. It's so important. Um, all of us are put on this earth for uh, for a purpose. And so find yours and get in touch with Rocky so you can really uh, create that ripple effect and uh, and make your, your true impact. So thanks again for joining uh, me, Rocky. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And if you are uh, looking to make your bigger, bolder impact and you need some tweaking with your leadership as you build your team, et cetera, check out uh, myimpactacademy.com forward slash join, where you can also find all kinds of audio, video, PDF downloads on all the topics that you need. So uh, check that out as well. And uh, until next time, make your bigger, bolder impact and make it a great day. Mm -hmm.